0: Chapter 5 of the Journal of Julius Rodman by Edgar Allan Poe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. April tenth, seventeen ninety two. The weather was now again most delicious, and revived our spirits exceedingly. The sun began to have power, and the river was quite free of ice, so the Indians assured us, for a hundred miles ahead. We bade adieu to Little Snake. A chief of the ricaris who had shown the voyagers many evidences of friendship during the winter and his band with unfeigned regret and set out after breakfast on our voyage perrine an agent of the hudson bay fur company on his way to petite corte accompanied us with three indians for the first ten miles when he took leave of us and made his way back to the village Whereas we afterwards heard, he met with a violent death from the hands of a squaw to whom he had offered some insult. Upon parting with the agent, we pushed on vigorously up the river and made great way, notwithstanding a rapid current. In the afternoon, Thornton, who had been complaining for some days past, was taken seriously ill, so much so, that I urged the return of the whole party to the hut, and there to wait until he should get better but he resisted this offer so strongly that I was forced to yield. We made him a comfortable bed in the cabin, and paid him every attention, but he had a raging fever with occasional delirium, and I was much afraid that we should lose him. In the meantime we still pushed ahead with resolution, and by night had made twenty miles, an excellent day's work. April 11th. Still beautiful weather. We started early, and had a good wind which aided us greatly, so that but for Thornton's illness we should have all been in fine spirits. He seemed to grow much worse, and I scarcely knew how to act. Everything was done for his comfort, which could be done. Jules the Canadian made him some tea from prairie herbs, which had the effect of inducing perspiration, and allayed the fever very sensibly we stopped at night on the mainland to the north and three hunters went out into the prairie by moonlight returning at one in the morning without their rifles and with a fat antelope they related that having proceeded many miles across the country they reached the banks of a beautiful rivulet where they were much surprised and alarmed at discovering a large war party of the sayoni sioux who immediately took them prisoners and carried them a mile on the other side of the stream to a kind of park or enclosure walled with mud and sticks in which was a large herd of antelopes these animals were still coming into the park the gates of which were so contrived as to prevent escape this was an annual practice of the indians in the autumn the antelopes retire for food and shelter from the prairie to the mountainous regions on the south of the river In the spring they recross it in great numbers and are then easily taken by being enticed into a strong enclosure as above described the hunters john greeley the prophet and a canadian had scarcely any hope of escape from the clutches of the indians who numbered as many as fifty and had well nigh made up their minds to die greeley and the prophet were disarmed and tied hand and foot the canadian however was suffered for some reason not perfectly understood to remain unbound and was only deprived of his rifle the savages leaving him in possession of his hunter's knife which possibly they did not perceive as it was worn in a sort of sheath in the side of his legging and treating him otherwise with a marked difference from their demeanour to the others this circumstance proved the source of the party's deliverance it was perhaps nine o'clock at night when they were first taken the moon was bright but as the air was unusually cool for the season the savages had kindled two large fires at a sufficient distance from the park not to frighten the antelopes who were still pouring into it continually at these fires they were occupied in cooking their game when the hunters so unexpectedly came upon them from round a clump of trees greeley and the prophet after being disarmed and bound with strong thongs of buffalo hide thrown down under a tree at some distance from the blaze while the canadian was permitted to seat himself in charge of two savages by one of the fires the rest of the indians forming a circle round the other and larger one in this arrangement the time wore away slowly and the hunters were in momentary expectation of death the cords of the two who abound caused them also infinite pain from the tightness with which they were fastened the canadian had endeavoured to hold a conversation with his guards in the hope of bribing them to release him but could not make himself understood about midnight the congregation around the large fire was suddenly disturbed by the dash of several large antelopes in succession through the midst of the blaze these animals had burst through a portion of the mud wall which confined them and mad with rage and affright made for the light of the fire as is the habit of insects at night in like circumstances it seems however that the syones had never heard of any similar feat of these usually timid creatures for they were in great terror at the unexpected interruption and their alarm increased to perfect dismay as the whole captured herd came rushing and bounding upon them after the lapse of a minute or so from the outbreak of the first few the hunters described the scene as one of the most singular nature the beasts were apparently frantic and the velocity and impetuosity with which they flew rather than leaped through the flames and through the midst of the terrified savages was said by greeley a man not in the least prone to exaggerate to have been not only an imposing but even a terrible spectacle they carried everything before them in their first plunges but having cleared the large fire they immediately dashed at the small one scattering the brands and blazing wood about then returned as if bewildered to the large one and so backwards and forwards until the decline of the fires when in small parties they scampered off like lightning to the woods many of the indians were knocked down in this furious melee and there is no doubt that some of them were seriously, if not mortally, wounded by the sharp hooves of the agile antelopes. Some threw themselves flat on the ground, and so avoided injury. The Prophet and Greeley, not being near the fires, were in no danger. The Canadian was prostrated at the first onset by a kick, which rendered him senseless for some minutes. When he came to himself he was nearly in darkness for the moon had gone behind a heavy thundercloud and the fires were almost out or only existed in brands scattered hither and thither he saw no indians near him and instantly arousing himself to escape made as well as he could for the tree where his two comrades were lying their thongs were soon cut and the three set off at full speed in the direction of the river without stopping to think of their rifles or of anything beyond present security. Having run for some miles and finding no one in pursuit, they slackened their pace and made their way to a spring for a draught of water. Here it was they met with the antelope, which, as I mentioned before, they brought with them to the boats. The poor creature lay panting, and unable to move, by the border of the spring. One of its legs was broken, and it bore evident traces of fire. It was no doubt one of the herd which had been the means of deliverance. Had there been even a chance of its recovery, the hunters would have spared it, in token of their gratitude. But it was miserably injured, so they put it at once out of its misery, and brought it home to the boats, where we made an excellent breakfast upon it the next morning. April 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th. During these four days we kept on our course without any adventure of note. The weather was very pleasant during the middle of the day, but the nights and mornings were exceedingly cold, and we had sharp frosts. Game was abundant. Thornton still continued ill, and his sickness perplexed and grieved me beyond measure. I missed his society very much and now found that he was almost the only member of our party in whom i could strictly confide by this i merely mean that he was almost the only one to whom i could or would freely unburthen my heart with all its wild hopes and fantastic wishes not that any individual among us was unworthy of implicit faith on the contrary we were all like brothers and a dispute of any importance never occurred One interest seemed to bind all or rather we appeared to be a band of voyagers without interest in view mere travelers for pleasure What ideas the Canadians might have held upon this subject? I cannot indeed exactly say these fellows talked a great deal to be sure about the profits of the enterprise and especially about their expected share of it and yet I can scarcely think they cared much for these points they were the most simple-minded, and certainly the most obliging set of beings upon the face of the earth. As for the rest of the crew, I have no doubt in the world that the pecuniary benefit to be afforded by the expedition was the last thing upon which they speculated. Some singular evidences of the feeling, which more or less pervaded us all, occurred during the prosecution of the voyage interests which in the settlements would have been looked upon as of the highest importance were here treated as matters unworthy of a serious word and neglected or totally discarded upon the most frivolous pretext men who had travelled thousands of miles through a howling wilderness beset by horrible dangers and enduring the most heart-rending privations for the ostensible purpose of collecting peltries Would seldom take the trouble to secure them when obtained, and would leave behind them without a sign an entire cache of fine beaver-skin, rather than forego the pleasure of pushing up some romantic-looking river, or penetrating into some craggy and dangerous cavern for minerals whose use they knew nothing about, and which they threw aside as lumber at the first decent opportunity in all this my own heart was very much with the rest of the party and i am free to say that as we proceeded on our journey i found myself less and less interested in the main business of the expedition and more and more willing to turn aside in pursuit of idle amusement if indeed i am right in calling by so feeble a name as amusement that deep and most intense excitement with which i surveyed the wonders and majestic beauties of the wilderness No sooner had I examined one region than I was possessed with an irresistible desire to push forward and explore another. As yet, however, I felt as if in too close proximity to the settlements for the full enjoyment of my burning love of nature and of the unknown. I could not help being aware that some civilized footsteps, although few, had preceded me in my journey. some eyes before mine own had been enraptured with the scenes around me but for this sentiment ever obtruding itself i should no doubt have loitered more frequently on the way turning aside to survey the features of the region bordering upon the river and perhaps penetrating deeply at times into the heart of the country to the north and south of our route but i was anxious to go on to get if possible beyond the extreme bounds of civilization to gaze if i could upon those gigantic mountains of which the existence had been made known to us only by the vague accounts of the indians these ulterior hopes and views i communicated fully to no one of our party save thornton He participated in all my most visionary projects, and entered completely into the spirit of romantic enterprise which pervaded my soul. I therefore felt his illness as a bitter evil. He grew worse daily, while it was out of our power to render him any effectual assistance. April 16th today we had a cold rain with a high wind from the north obliging us to come to anchor until late in the afternoon at four o'clock p m we proceeded and made five miles by night thornton was much worse april seventeenth and eighteenth during both these days we had a continuance of raw unpleasant weather with the same cold wind from the north we observed many large masses of ice in the river, which was much swollen and very muddy The time passed unpleasantly and we made no way Thornton appeared to be dying and I now resolved to encamp at the first convenient spot and remain until his illness should terminate We accordingly at noon this day drew the boats up a large creek coming in from the south and formed an encampment on the mainland April 25th we remained at the creek until this morning when to the great joy of us all Thornton was sufficiently recovered to go on the weather was fine and we proceeded gaily through a most lovely portion of the country Without encountering a single Indian or meeting with any adventure out of the usual course until the last of the month when we reached the country of the Mandans or rather of the mandans the Minotaris, and the anahawes for these three tribes all live in the near vicinity of each other occupying five villages not a great many years ago the mandans were settled in nine villages about eighty miles below the ruins of which we passed without knowing what they were seven on the west and two on the east of the river but they were thinned off by the smallpox and their old enemies the sioux until reduced to a mere handful when they ascended to their present position mr rodman gives here a tolerably full account of the Minnetarees and the anahaways or Wasatoons, but we omit it as differing in no important particular from the ordinary statements respecting these nations the mandans received us with perfect friendliness and we remained in their neighborhood three days during which we overhauled and repaired the pirogue and otherwise refitted we also obtained a good supply of hard corn of a mixed color which the savages had preserved through the winter in holes near the front of their lodges while with the mandans we were visited by a minitari chief called waka who behaved with much civility and was of service to us in many respects the son of this chief we engaged to accompany us as interpreter as far as the great fork we made the father several presents with which he was greatly pleased on the first of may we bade adieu to the mandans and went on our way may first the weather was mild and the surrounding country began to assume a lovely appearance with the opening vegetation which was now much advanced the cottonwood leaves were quite as large as a crown and many flowers were full-blown the low grounds began to spread out here more than usual and were well supplied with timber the cottonwood and common willow as well as the red willow abounded with rose bushes in great plenty Beyond the low grounds on the river the country extended in one immense plain without wood of any kind the soil was remarkably rich The game was more abundant than we had ever yet seen it We kept a hunter ahead of us on each bank and today they brought in an elk a goat five beavers and a great number of plovers The beavers were very tame and easily taken this animal is quite a bon bouche as an article of food especially the tail which is of somewhat glutinous nature like the fins of the halibut a beaver tail will suffice for a plentiful dinner for three men we made twenty miles before night may second we had a fine wind this morning and used our sails until noon when it became rather too much for us and we stopped for the day Our hunters went out and shortly returned with an immense elk whom Neptune had pulled down after a long chase The animal having been only slightly wounded by a buckshot He measured six feet in height an antelope was also caught about dusk as soon as the creature saw our men It flew off with the greatest velocity But after a few minutes stopped and returned on its steps apparently through curiosity and then bounded away again This conduct was repeated frequently, each time the game, coming nearer and nearer, until at length it ventured within rifle distance when a shot from the Prophet brought it down. It was lean and with young. These animals, although of incredible swiftness of foot, are still bad swimmers, and thus frequently fall a victim to the wolves in their attempts to cross a stream. Today we made 12 miles. May 3rd. This morning we made great headway, and by night had accomplished full thirty miles. The game continued to be abundant. Buffaloes in vast numbers lay dead along the shore, and we saw many wolves devouring the carcasses. They fled always at our approach. We were much at a loss to account for the death of the buffaloes, but some weeks afterwards the mystery was cleared up. Arriving at a pass of the river where the bluffs were steep and the water deep at their base We observed a large herd of the huge beasts swimming across and stopped to watch their motions They came in a sidelong manner down the current and had apparently entered the water from a gorge About half a mile above where the bank sloped into the stream upon reaching the land on the west side of the river they found it impossible to ascend the cliffs and the water was beyond their depth after struggling for some time and endeavoring in vain to get a foothold in the steep and slippery clay they turned and swam to the eastern shore where the same kind of inaccessible precipices presented themselves and where the ineffectual struggle to ascend was repeated they now turned a second time a third a fourth and a fifth always making the shore at very nearly the same places instead of suffering themselves to go down with the current in search of a more favorable landing which might have been found a quarter of a mile below they seemed bent upon maintaining their position and for this purpose swam with their breasts at an acute angle to the stream and used violent exertions to prevent from being borne down At the fifth time of crossing the poor beasts were so entirely exhausted that it was evident they could do no more They now struggled fearfully to scramble up the bank and one or two of them had nearly succeeded When to our great distress, for we could not witness their noble efforts without commiseration the whole mass of loose earth above caved in and buried several of them in its fall without leaving the cliff in better condition for ascent Upon this the rest of the herd commenced a lamentable kind of lowing or moaning a sound Conveying more of a dismal sorrow and despair than anything which is possible to imagine I shall never get it out of my head Some of the beasts made another attempt to swim the river Struggled a few minutes and sank the waves above them being dyed with the red blood that gushed from their nostrils in the death agony but the greater part after the moaning described, seemed to yield supinely to their fate, rolled over on their backs, and disappeared. The whole herd were drowned, not a buffalo escaped. Their carcasses were thrown up in half an hour afterwards upon the flat grounds a short distance below, where but for their ignorant obstinacy they might so easily have landed in safety. May 4th the weather was delightful and with a fair warm wind from the south we made twenty-five miles before night to-day thornton was sufficiently recovered to assist in the duties of the boat in the afternoon he went out with me into the prairie on the west where we saw a great number of early spring flowers of a kind never seen in the settlements many of them were of a rare beauty and delicious perfume we also saw game in great variety but shot none as we were sure the hunters would bring in more than was wanted for use and i was averse to the wanton destruction of life on our way home we came upon two indians of the assiniboine nation who accompanied us to the boats they had evinced nothing like distrust on the way but on the contrary had been frank and bold in demeanour we were therefore much surprised to see them upon coming within a stone's throw of the pirogue turn both of them Suddenly round and make off into the prairie at full speed Upon getting a good distance from us. They stopped and ascended a knoll which commanded a view of the river Here they lay on their bellies and resting their chins on their hands Seemed to regard us with the deepest astonishment By the aid of a spy-glass I could minutely observe their countenances, which bore evidence of both amazement and terror. They continued watching us for a long time. At length, as if struck with a sudden thought, they arose hurriedly, and commenced a rapid flight in the direction from which we had seen them issue at first. May 5th as we were getting under way very early this morning a large party of assiniboines suddenly rushed upon the boats and succeeded in taking possession of the pirogue before we could make any effectual resistance no one was in it at the time except jules who escaped by throwing himself into the river and swimming to the large boat which we had pushed out into the stream these indians had been brought upon us by the two who had visited us the day before and the party must have approached us in the most stealthy manner imaginable as we had our sentries regularly posted and even neptune failed to give any token of their vicinity we were preparing to fire upon the enemy when misquash the new interpreter son of wakarasa gave us to understand that the assiniboines were friends and were now making signals of amity although we could not help thinking that the highway robbery of our boat was but an indifferent way of evincing friendship still we were willing to see what these people had to say and desired mesquash to ask them why they had behaved as they did they replied with many protestations of regard and we at length found that they really had no intention of molesting us any farther than to satisfy an ardent curiosity which consumed them and which they now entreated us to appease it appeared that the two indians of the day before whose singular conduct had so surprised us had been struck with sudden amazement at the sooty appearance of our negro toby They had never before seen or heard of a blackamoor and it must therefore be confessed that their astonishment was not altogether causeless Toby moreover was as ugly an old gentleman as ever spoke having all the peculiar features of his race the swollen lips large white protruding eyes flat nose long ears double head pot belly and bow legs upon relating their adventure to their companions the two savages could obtain no credit for the wonderful story and were about losing caste for as liars and double dealers when they proposed to conduct the whole band to the boats by the way of vindicating their veracity the sudden attack seemed to have been the mere result of impatience on the part of the still incredulous assiniboines for they never afterwards evinced the slightest hostility and yielded up the pirogue as soon as we made them understand that we would let them have a good look at old toby the latter personage took the matter as a very good joke and went ashore at once in naturalibus that the inquisitive savages might observe the whole extent of the question Their astonishment and satisfaction were profound and complete. At first they doubted the evidence of their own eyes, spinning upon their fingers and rubbing the skin of the negro to be sure that it was not painted. The wool on the head elicited repeated shouts of applause, and the bandy legs were the subject of unqualified admiration. A jig dance on the part of our ugly friend brought matters to a climax. Wonder was now at its height approbation could go no farther had toby but possessed a single spark of ambition he might then have made his fortune for by ascending the throne of the assiniboines and reigning as king toby the first this incident detained us until late in the day after interchanging some civilities and presents with the savages we accepted the aid of six of the band in rowing us about five miles on our route a very acceptable assistance and one for which we did not fail to thank toby we made to-day only twelve miles and encamped at night on a beautiful island which we long remembered for the delicious fish and fowl which its vicinity afforded us we stayed at this pleasant spot two days during which we feasted and made merry with very little care for the morrow and with very little regard to the numerous beaver which disported around us we might have taken at this island one or two hundred skins without difficulty as it was we collected about twenty the island is at the mouth of a tolerably large river coming in from the south and at a point where the missouri strikes off in a due westerly direction the latitude is about forty-eight may eighth we proceeded with fair winds and fine weather and after making twenty or twenty-five miles reached a large river coming in from the north where it debouches however it is very narrow not more than a dozen yards wide and appears to be quite choked up with mud upon ascending it a short distance a fine bold stream is seen seventy or eighty yards wide and very deep passing through a beautiful valley abounding in game our new guide told us the name of this river but i have no memorandum of it robert greeley shot here some geese which build their nests upon trees may ninth in many places a little distant from the river banks to-day we observed the ground encrusted with a white substance which proved to be a strong salt we made only fifteen miles owing to several petty hindrances and encamped at night on the mainland, among some clumps of cottonwood and rabbit-berry bushes. May 10th. Today the weather was cold and the wind strong, but fair. We made great headway. The hills in this vicinity are rough and jagged, showing irregular broken masses of rock, some of which tower to a great height and appear to have been subject to the action of water. We picked up several pieces of petrified wood and bone, and coal was scattered about in every direction. The river gets very crooked. May 11th. Detained the greater part of the day by squalls and rain. Towards evening it cleared up beautifully with a fair wind, of which we took advantage, making ten miles before encamping. Several fat beavers were caught, and a wolf was shot upon the bank he seemed to have strayed from a large herd, which were prowling about us. May 12th. Landed today at noon, making ten miles, upon a small, steep island, for the purpose of overhauling some of our things. As we were about taking our departure, one of the Canadians, who led the van of the party, and was several yards in advance, suddenly disappeared from our view, with a loud scream we all ran forward immediately and laughed heartily upon finding that our man had only tumbled into an empty cache from which we soon extricated him had he been alone however there is much room for question if he would have got out at all we examined the hole carefully but found nothing in it beyond a few empty bottles we did not even see anything serving to show whether french british or americans had concealed their goods here and we felt some curiosity upon this point may thirteenth arrived at the junction of the yellowstone with the missouri after making twenty-five miles during the day misquash here left us and returned home end of chapter five